Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Fox and the Foxhound. We're so happy to have you. If this is your first time, my name is Amanda, and my husband Kevin and I are reading through the Harry Potter books together. While I'm an established fan, he's a complete Potter virgin. We started the series and the show during the countdown to our wedding. And now, as we work through the final book in the series, we've been married for two years and have our first child on the way. While our primary goal is to work through the Potter series as literature, discussing the story and applying some of the wisdom we find to our life together, be warned, tangents lie ahead. And singing and grown-up jokes, some occasional toilet humor, and fairly pervasive adult language. Guard tiny ears accordingly. Let's do this. Go into the chapel and we're going to get married! (laughs) It's the return of Victor Crumb! Crumb's return. Chapter eight, the wedding. I was thinking about this today because I knew that this was the chapter we were doing. Yeah. And I was thinking about how where we live, you'd say the wedding. The wedding. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a pretty wedding. Oh, that was such a beautiful wedding. Oh, yeah. It's like a you swallow the G. Wedding. There's no, you don't need the I or the G, really. Right. Wedding. <laughs> you just need the Ed. At the Three end. weddings and a funeral. That's a great movie. And, you, and four or three. Wait, hang on. <laughs> This is basically <laughs> common core right here. <laughs> and no weddings and a funeral is the, in my opinion, best episode of Ted Lasso. What is the show? There's like a series of movies and it's Renee Zellweger. Bridget Jones? Yeah. Like Bridget oh. Jones diary. Then it's like Bridget Jones journal. Then it's like Bridget Jones novel or something. <laughs> no. Bridget Jones paperback, isn't it? No. It's Bridget Jones's diary, uh-huh. and then I think it's Bridget Jones gets married or Bridget Jones's wedding, and then it's Bridget Jones's baby. Are they awful? Those movies? Are you kidding me? No, I think I've granted. I think I've only seen the first one. Oh. The first one is fucking great. Colin Firth, Hugh Grant, Renee Whoa, Zellweger, loaded yes, cast. Yes, so good. I'm here for it. So 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 good. Well, it's about time to start watching Christmas movies. It is. I, Bridget Jones can be a little Christmassy, and her dad is played by the actor who plays Slughorn. Yeah, you brought it back around. I sure did. Yes, I did. I'm very talented. So another one chapter episode. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a honking chapter page wise. Yeah, and this is another chapter that is just a continuation of the same timeline. We haven't jumped to a different time. We haven't jumped to another place. No, we're still at the borough, and uh-huh. it's about to be Flora and Bill's wedding. About to be a wedding. You're reading first. Three o'clock on the following afternoon found Harry, Ron, Fred, and George standing outside the Great White Marquee in the orchard, awaiting the arrival of the wedding guest. Harry had taken a large dose of polyjuice potion. 
and was now the double of a red-headed muggle boy from the local village, Ottery St. Catchpole, from whom Fred had stolen hairs using a summoning charm. The plan was to introduce Harry as Cousin Barney <laughs> and trust to the great number of Weasley relatives to camouflage him. <laughs> I don't think it's quite with that accent, but... Harry did not know where to begin, but it did not matter. At that moment, something large and silver came falling through the canopy over the dance floor. Graceful and gleaming, the links landed lightly in the middle of the astonished dancers. Heads turned as those nearest it froze, absurdly, in mid-dance. Then the Patronus's mouth opened wide, and it spoke in the loud, deep, slow voice of Kingsley Shacklebolt. The ministry has fallen. Scrimger is dead. They are coming. Oh. That one gave me chills. It's an epic way to end the chapter. Yeah. It really is. She loves to do this too. Oh yeah. The author loves to like really settle you into some nice dialogue and a little comedy. Yeah. And a little bit of intrigue. And then just be like, oh yeah, don't forget this entire series is about the devil taking over the world. Speaking of comedy, let me tell you, there are a couple of times I literally, quite literally, laughed out loud. Yeah. In it's this a good chapter. One. Oh my God, there's some funny shit. And some really shocking shit. So Harry's disguised as Cousin Bonnie. Cousin Bonnie. <laughs> and uh, the first guest that we meet, Tonks and Lupin, show up. Yeah. Tonks has gone blonde for the wedding, which sure. is just so cute in my mind. Yeah. And Tonks apologizes to Harry and was like, hey, my bad the way we left last time. They're really after werewolves right now. Werewolves. <laughs> werewolves right now. And so we kind of thought we were in danger in the place and we had to dip. Right. And Lupin's like, <laughs> looking miserable. Lines of misery on his face. Yeah. What's going on here? Like Harry sort of noted it in his yeah. head and was like, hmm, that's He unusual. didn't understand. And then he sort of moved on. Yeah. And then like Hagrid shows up and he can't really think about it anymore. But this is like the second or third time that this has been pointed out. Yeah. So, you know, you've read six of these books. You know, there's maybe something to this. Right. Yeah. I think it's a full moon tonight. Oh. We might see a daggone werewolf. <laughs> yeah. We was at this wedding, and you would not believe there was a daggone werewolf was out there. We missed the lunar eclipse last night because it was like. No. My coworker got up at four in the morning and looked at it. I. Okay. True story. I've been waking up to pee like clockwork at like 3.30 every morning. And so I told myself, that's good timing. I'm sure to be awake and I'll check it out. Of course, last night's the one night I didn't wake up at 3.30. At the same time, like 4 a.m.? Yeah. It could be raining gold out of the eclipse. And I'm like, I'm good, bro. I'll stay broke and be in bed. And it's cold outside too? And it's cold. But also someone I know, they don't live exactly here, but they... Um, is someone that was in my work group on Zoom this morning said that she got up to look at it and it was super cloudy. So I'm just telling myself that it was way too cloudy to see anything anyway. Sour grapes. Sour grapes. <laughs> so we also meet a character who has some prominence in this chapter. Yeah. Xenophilius Lovegood. I love Which we know is Luna's character. dad. Yeah. And doesn't he, he has like a paper that's kind of like the star or the National Enquirer, right? It's the Quibbler. The Quibbler, right. Mm -hmm. And that is the paper that published Rita Skeeter's, like, big interview with Harry in book five. Yeah. Which was, you know, like, infuriated umbrage. The Quibbler is like, no one takes it seriously, but that kind of had added some credibility, that article. And Harry doesn't seem to have any ill will towards Zeno. No, Zeno seems okay. Yeah. Definitely seems like the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree with Luna because he's 
kind of a fucking weirdo. Yeah, he totally is. I love it. And Luna walks up and is like, oh, hi, Harry. Even though Harry's completely disguised. Luna, be cool, man. Chill, Luna. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He's like, oh, hey, Harry. He's like, how did you know this is me? She was like, just your expression. (laughs) Which, I mean, listen, it's cool. She's so intuitive. But, like, could you not blow his fucking cover right now? God. So they say something about the gnomes and how her dad appreciates the gnomes. And And they're super weird. The Jernumbly or something like Jernumbly magic. And she's like, I got bit. Look, dad, I got bit by a gnome. And he's like, well, that's quite great. You know, that gnome bites are good for you. Right. The whole exchange is just very strange. It's yeah. They're two of a kind. These two. Yeah. Can we talk about Auntie Muriel? The legend. She's a nightmare. She's a total fucking nightmare. She's also kind of hilarious. Yeah. She's like. We've all met these people before. Totally have met these people before. She said, Merlin's beard. What is Xenophilius Lovegood wearing? He looks like an omelet. (laughs) (laughs) And the other part was talking about the tiara and Fleur wearing it. She said, she's a good looking girl, but still French. (laughs) Right. And then Hermione comes down and says that Aunt Muriel said to her, is this the muggle-born? Oh, my God, Auntie Muriel. Poor posture and skinny ankles. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Auntie Muriel. I mean, you get the sense that this is not just like, okay, sometimes people get old and they just go, you know what? I'm fucking old. I can say whatever I want. I feel like this woman has just been mean her whole oh, life. she's just a jerk. You know who she made me think of and who would be great at playing her? It's uh, Emily Gilmore. Oh, my God. She's very Emily Gilmore. Like, Auntie Muriel 40 years ago was Emily Gilmore. Yeah. From Gilmore Girls, in case you're not familiar and you're not on, like, a first-name basis with the Gilmore characters. From Gilmore Girls, it's the main Gilmore's mother. Oh, yeah. I can now hear that in her voice. <laughs> Just so much bite. I love it. And we have another surprise guest show up. It's Victor Grum. The return of Victor. <laughs> it's been so long. They're like, what are you doing at this wedding? He's like, because most weddings have cookies. <laughs> no, I think it's so sweet that Fleur invited him. Yeah. And it's he says to Hermione, you look wonderful. He does. And Ron is super jealous. Do you think Hermione wants to dance with me? Harry, at one point, he asked, he doesn't know Harry is Harry, but at one point, Crumb asked him, like, yo, are they a thing? And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. They kind of are. Yeah. You know, and then he's like, damn. What's up with that, Chica? And he's talking about Jenny. Fucking Victor, and man. And Harry's like, she's taken. And he's a giant. And he'll kick your ass and yeah. stop bringing it up. And he's like, what good is it being a Quidditch star if all the good looking girls are taken? Listen, listen. <laughs> Victor, he's on the prowl at this wedding. If you're single and you go to a wedding, besides being there for whoever it is, your second modus operandi better be who are the other single, drunk, attractive people that are here? Absolutely. Especially the members of the wedding party. Because yes. they're like the wedding celebs. Right. Exactly. You know? Yes. We had several. How many do we have? Nine on each side? Not, did I have nine bridesmaids? I had seven. Was it, was it only seven? 
Why did I, I think it was nine? I, I think we had an even number. Yeah. So we had seven, but most of my bridesmaids were married. Yeah, they're all married. So, they have kids. Like, sorry. I mean, half the people at the wedding have kids. Were exactly. Married. There weren't a ton of single folks at our wedding. And I don't think anyone hooked up at our wedding. No, because the whole wedding, there were not a lot of people between the ages of like 21 and right. 26, like the right. early 20s. Like, who the hell was there in the early 20s? Like, yeah. our niece who's in a relationship. That's like the only person I could think of. Right. And a couple of our theater friends who are younger, but yeah, not like not a ton yeah, of people. They're in theater. They don't need weddings to find people to hook up with. <laughs> they just find their next production. <laughs> <laughs> Showman's. <laughs> So then there's the ceremony, which we don't need to go into so description beautiful. about, but it seems so much easier than a muggle wedding. Oh my God. The champagne flies around and pours itself. The, <sighs> after the ceremony, the whole damn thing resets for the reception. There's a gold dance floor. The tables are set up. You know, I love gold. Ooh, I love gold. I love the aesthetic of this wedding. Yeah, I am I knew here you would. for it. Yeah. This is like my dream wedding. Little birds are flying around, stars and shit. It's fucking great. And they basically, it's the same little wizard guy who presided over Dumbledore's funeral. Yeah. Is the one who married them. So this guy's in like, he's in high demand in the yeah. wizarding world for like death. He probably does all of the baptisms too. Like if you are dying, being born or being married, this little guy is going to be this taking fella. care of you. <laughs> this fella here. I also really love that they use the phrase bonded for life. For Isn't that nice? Yeah. Like, I just think that that's sweet. I also really like the line. I don't know if I can find it, but where it talks about when Fleur walks out, usually her beauty is almost imposing, but the way that she was like radiant, it made everyone else look beautiful in her light. Yes. I just love that idea. It was so beautiful. That idea of when somebody walks into the room, when a beautiful woman walks into the room and it's like makes everyone else look beautiful. Like yes. it shines this you know, light on everything. And it gives you the sense that she's so happy that she's like radiating yeah. this happiness, this joy. It's gorgeous. I saw Maya Angelou speak at oh, UNCW when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. And uh, it was super fucking amazing, of course. You I'm know? sure. But when she walked like out of the little back area and up the stairs and onto the stage, it was like <gasps> your breath came out of your chest. You oh were just like... <gasps> This woman is radiant. Like she yes. looks like a, it's like a monk or something. The way, just like the energy that she gave off and this confidence and yes. this like love, this emitting love to people. Kind of like um, Sula. Yeah. Our family friend Sula. Oh, definitely. You know, Sula walks in a room and everyone feels the temperature. Go like you feel just a little bit warmer. A little and bit cozier. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's such a beautiful sentiment. I think but that's so I true. I thought that was really neat and just yes. good writing. Definitely. Definitely. So Crumb is hanging out with HP, who he yeah. doesn't know is HP. And he's like, I am Xenophilius. And he's like, this motherfucker. Yeah. This is like actually like modern day right now. Like, oh, yeah. You're just somewhere and you're like, oh, I see. Is yeah, that a, a dog whistle? Little fucking white supremacist sticker on your car or whatever. Like, right. oh, fuck this dude, you know? Right. <laughs> but he's like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And like, why is he so mad at him? Because he's wearing the symbol of Grindelwald. He's wearing this 
mysterious, it's a rune, it's a symbol. And according to Victor is the symbol that was used by uh, Grindelwald. Right. And remember, Victor is from, we don't know exactly what country Victor is from, but it's not England. Right. We're thinking it's like Eastern Europe somewhere, probably. Yes. And so we get the sense that Grindelwald was a much bigger deal. His whole reign of terror was much bigger for Victor than it was for And there's some weird tie-in with like World War II, because it was around like 44, 45 or something. I think Grindelwald's time was in the 40s. And didn't he have like a huge battle against Dumbledore or something like that? Yes, he had a huge battle against Dumbledore. Believe it or not, we actually learn a little bit about that in book one because it's on Dumbledore's chocolate frog card that like one of his greatest achievements is the defeat of Grindelwald in, and it names the year. And he was a dark wizard, right? Yeah. He was a dark wizard. And Victor says, I don't think Grindelwald was that much of a threat here because he, it was said that he was always afraid of Dumbledore. Yeah. So that's probably why he didn't really venture into England, but he was awful. You know, I mean, he, Victor says he killed my grandfather and Victor's upset because in Durmstrang, which is his school, Victor's school, and it's also where Grindelwald went, Grindelwald started carving that symbol that Xenophilius is wearing into a wall or something. And then for years after, it was kind of co-opted and used as this, like you said, kind of like a white supremacist symbol. Yeah. For, you know, just to use an allegory that makes sense in our world. Crumb even says something like, they don't even know what the hell that means. Like, you're, how could you be so careless with this symbol? Like, right. do you understand what that means to people, you know? Right. And Harry says, like, th- he may not, like, knowing him, he probably does not think that yeah. it means that. <laughs> he tells him, listen, the old man's kind of a fucking weirdo. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a good chance that he just picked that up at a yard sale or something, you know? Yeah. That's another weird, like, wonder what it's called in the UK. Oh, like a yard like, sale? Even here Ooh. in the South, we have a yard sale. Up North, it's a garage sale. Garage sale, yeah. And that just has to do with the geography of, like, more urban and rural right. places, you know? And there's also a tag sale. What is that? That's what some people call yard sale. Tag sale. Oh. Everything's got a tag on it, you know? Freaking and then there are sale. estate sales, but that's different, right? Yes. How is that different? <laughs> An estate sale is basically like someone's entire estate is being sold. Yard sale is like, this is shit we don't want. Right. Estate sale is this person's dead and we're getting rid of all their shit. Okay. So an estate sale is like, that's where you can find some real jewels. Furniture and jewelry and clocks and all that type of stuff. Nice. As you know, I love yard sales. You do love a yard sale. Yard sale culture in the South. <laughs> this is a little learning. Here we go. Here we go. For you guys yeah. in my education about the American South. <laughs> Yard sales are a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Like a huge deal. Every town has them every single Saturday. Oh, yeah. Now, when you get into the wintertime, you don't get a bunch of them, but in the there sp- still will be one or two. But in the spring, there's tons. And when I was a little boy, I would always spend the night at my granddad's house on Friday night so we could wake up early Saturday morning, nice. eat breakfast, and hit the road before the sun even came up. We were like the early birds. You know, they say no, no, early, know, birds. no early birds. <laughs> early birds are people who like you advertise that your yard sale starts at eight and at yeah. seven o'clock they're knocking on your door. Got any records? God damn it. Yeah. I hate when people come to yard sale and ask for something super fucking specific. It's like, it's open like, your eyes, motherfucker. All you have is clothes. 
and shoes and a few toys. And they're like, you don't have a John Deere auger, do you? You're like, <laughs> what? You don't have a purple sweatshirt with Stephanie sewn on the back, do you? Like, what are you talking about? No, I have the stuff that's here. You got anything inside? Yes, my home. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> so me and my granddad used to hit the yard sales. And when I was a kid, I loved G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe was like my fave. Mm-hmm. And G.I. Joe was that perfect size, like yeah. relatively similar to the size. I want to say it's like a three and a half inch figure. It's around the same size as the Kenner original Star Wars, right? Okay. So Bigger the, than the little green army men though. Right. Yes. And so little G.I. Joe, there were so many other toy companies that made trucks and planes and stuff that were not G.I. Joe. They weren't even G.I. Joe ripoff. They was just, you know just a, some generic toy, but GI Joe's would always fit in them. Like the scale always worked. Mm-hmm. So I would go to these yard sales and get like a plane, like a full on plane yeah. for 50 cents. Oh yeah. And a Jeep for a dollar. And my granddad was like, yeah, whatever you want. Like my granddad would spend maybe $4 by the Making end of the day. Making it rain at know? the yard sale. <laughs> yeah. And so I would take them and put them all together. So my toy collection was super sick because it was like, made of different parts of stuff. I mean, it's really like yard sales are really quite healthy as an antidote to materialism and consumerism. If you think about it, right. Because you're really recycling stuff instead of going and getting new toys, you're scouting the yard sales and you're finding toys that have been loved and used, but are no longer wanted. And now they get to live this second life with you. It's so fun. Yeah. I love to get up in the morning and get coffee and read, try to find, now there's a million different ways to find yard sales. Like there's apps and there's Facebook make marketplace and all this stuff, but you figure out where they are and you kind of make a little map in your head and then you just take off. Oh yeah. Sometimes you drive past one and you're like, nah, I don't really see anything. So you just keep driving like the snub. (laughs) Oh, the snub is terrible. It's, It's like coming from someone who has done a yard sale. Like we've done a yard sale and you see people drive by and then they drive off and you're like, fine, fuck. You too. Yeah, exactly. Our stuff isn't good enough for you. You want to snob? Wing a vase or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one's on the house, pal. <laughs> we need to have a yard sale. Although it's, it's going to be. You don't too have any miniature clown paintings, do you? <laughs> no, dude. My mom is the expert at running a yard sale. Oh my too. god, she's so efficient. She could be a professional yard sale manager. I don't think that's a thing, but she could. If it was a thing, she could do it. I'm telling you, if you need some cash money, yeah. yard sale's the way to go. Yes. Here's the thing. You only put stuff in a yard sale that you truly don't give a damn about. Yes. Because if you really want to make money, let them lowball the shit out of you. Yes. Sell it for whatever. Absolutely. My mom will have a table for $50 and somebody, but will you take 40 for it? And she's like, absolutely. Get it out of here. Yep. She was going to be happy with 10. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Anyway, this is completely How did this even happen? Okay, so Zeno. You can edit this out. So, <laughs> Xenophilius is wearing the swastika he got at the yard sale. <laughs> and Crumb's like, if this wasn't a wedding and I wasn't trying to like yeah. keep my shit together, I'll duel this dude right here. Right? I would duel this man. He would duel him. Like, this is serious. This is, he's pissed. He can't get over it. No. Mm-mm. Which is kind of good for Ron because it keeps his attention away from Hermione. Yeah. But also, like, Hermione's like, oh, my God, Victor. But then she spends the rest of the night on the dance floor with Ron. Exactly. And Crom is like, 
yo, is she taken? Yeah, she's taken. Cool. What's up with the Nazi guy? So (laughs) it's not this. I I was like, please don't let this be like Ron getting jealous and all this stuff. No, it really is a non-issue. So at one point, this is very suggestive, but because we are recording after dark. After dark. Crumb and Harry are sitting there and Crumb just sort of pulls his wand out <laughs> and kind of like rubs it on Harry's he leg. And he's not. like, hey, check out my wand. <laughs> you want to touch my wand? <laughs> Harry's like, Jesus Christ, I'm Cousin Blarney. <laughs> Jesus, what? But it's weird. Like he pulls his wand out because yeah. he's like, Kill this dude right now. Like he's kind of amped up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And Harry looks down at it and goes, Gregorovich, Gregorovich, Gregorovich. And what? Crumb's like, What? What are you talking about, dude? Like, what the fuck about Gregorovich? Jesus Christ. It would be like if Harry had pulled out his wand and Crumb out of nowhere and said, Ollivander. Like, what about him, motherfucker? Jesus. Somebody walks in your house and you go, Nike. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's that they are Nikes. Right, right. It's very strange. And so they talk a little bit about Grigorovich. Yeah. And it's like Harry has like remembered, he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Grigorovich was also a wand maker. Yeah. He doesn't even know why he how he recognized that that was a Grigorovich wand, right? He does, because when they were all um when the Goblet of Fire tournament was happening the the why can't i remember the name of the triwizard tournament jesus the goblet Christ. of fire tournament. <laughs> the pregnancy brain do you even harry potter bro <laughs> the triwizard tournament was happening like basically right after all of the the champions had been selected i can't make words tonight am i having a stroke what's happening they all had to go and talk with it was olivander who was there because mm-hmm. they had to have these official like they had to weigh their wands. Right. Yeah. The whole yeah. wand weighing ceremony. And then I'm sh- we got very dirty about it, I'm sure. I'm so sure. <laughs> at that point, the reason why he's connecting it with Quidditch is because somewhere there's a neuron firing in Harry's brain that remembers Ollivander going, oh, this is a Grigorovich wand. So we have heard the name before. Yes, we have. He goes, Grigorovich, Quidditch. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking like, what's wrong with you, dude? Cousin Barney, are you okay? He really, like, not very well. <laughs> tries to be super cash and he's like so uh where is old Grigorovich these days crumbs like fuck if i know dude he's retired i don't know i'm doing fuck old he's not my friend like i don't know where he is yeah jesus christ you fucking weirdo and uh but the, he's retired we he's know retired that. he's retired yeah. whatever and um crumb makes his way off you know being mad that he can't get any strange at the wedding. Right. And also wanting to kick Luna's dad's ass. He's just not having a good night, Crumb. God, don't drink. Do not drink, Victor. If Do you, you ever have an inkling you want to fight some girl's dad at a wedding, <laughs> just maybe you should not drink that night. Maybe just stay <clears throat> sober. Be the DD that night. Do you ever want a favor? Yeah. And <laughs> if you're friends with that person, don't do what we did to my brother at a Halloween party once, which we convinced him that there was somebody that was flirting with his wife. What? And it was a 10-year-old boy. What? When did this happen? This years and years ago at my dad's Halloween party. <laughs> we were like, Tim, dude, there's this, this 
guy like keeps you see this guy that your wife keeps hanging out with or whatever and he's like what i don't care like da, 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 whatever dude you know and then we just kept on kept on like now they're dancing together and who's he was like, we what some cohorts of mine i can't remember I'm sure who, you know? and my brother's like point him out to me and we pointed him out and it's a little boy and he's like what's wrong with you people i don't i i'm with tim what the fuck is wrong with you So, Harry Potter spots Doji Dog. Doji Dog. The Doji Dog. He spots Elpheus Doji. Doge? Doge. Elpheus Doge. I think it's Doge. Whose Patronus is Doji Dog. (laughs) That'd be so cute. Wow, much silver. Very happiness. (laughs) Yes. So memories. (laughs) And he's like, yo, Mr. Doge, it's me, Harry Potter in disguise. And Doge is like, holy shit, Harry Potter, I knew you were like here disguised, but like, that's so cool. It's so nice to meet you. It's like, so nice to meet you too. Like, holy fuck. Yeah. Elpheus, as we know, is a member of the order. Which is why Harry felt safe to reveal his yeah. true identity to him. So he's for a sure. good guy. There's a lot that goes on with Elpheus. Yeah. The first thing that they start discussing is Rita's article about Dumbledore. Yeah. Because Harry tells him like, yo, I read your obituary. You guys seem to be tight. I thought it was really cool. And they're like, yeah, this article that Rita wrote was like some bullshit about Dumbledore. Yeah. And so Harry asked Doge about Dumbledore and the dark arts because Rita sort of hinted that Dumbledore has some dark arts history. Yeah. When he was younger or some kind of background that he dabbled or what what was that? And he asked him about it like, hey, do you know if like any of this stuff is true? And he's like, don't believe the hype, bro. Don't ever let anyone tarnish this man's name. Don't believe any of this bull s. About your grandpa. (laughs) Harry gets a little frustrated with this because I think, and I get it, because Harry's sort of like, okay, but can we have like a real conversation here about a man who was a man? Right. You know, and who undoubtedly had some flaws. Like, I feel like Harry sort of goes, if if you had said, well, I can see where that misconception came from. It's not true, but, you know, here's why it happened. Instead of this, no. Dumbledore was a saint. It reminds me of Vince Vaughn in Anchorman. He's like, Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, I think that Harry would trust what he's hearing a little bit more. But like when you're talking to someone who just is only like deifying this person. Yeah, you'll never get a straight story out of it. Yeah, it makes his whole message less trustworthy. And enter Aunt Muriel. Here she comes, the fucking nightmare. Talking shit. She's like, move, wizard boy. Jesus Garçon, Christ. Garçon, bring me more champagne. Like, oh, she shit. is a freaking nightmare. She's but something she's else. She's also a damn hoot. She's like fucking the funniest weird. part of this whole chapter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks like and an so omelet. she's like, oh, yeah. Did you hear Rita's written a book about Dumbledore? I can't wait to see what she's exposed uh. because, you know, Dumbledore was into all types of weird shit. I mean, he's the one that did away with his squid sister. What? <laughs> his what sister? Squib. You said, I thought you said squid. His squid, squid sister. <laughs> he had a sister who was no lie. Good a band squid. name. Squid sister. Yes. Love squid it. cistern. Oh, no, I like squid sister better. I once had a cistern <laughs> when I lived in the mountains 20 years ago. I'm not confident I know what a cistern is. It's um, a concrete cylinder which holds water. Like a well? It's not, it's not in the ground. It's above ground. 
So it's an above ground well. It's a fucking concrete water container. And the name of it happens to be cistern. It's an above ground well. Just you, like, always, <laughs> you always want to reduce the English language to like simpler things. You know, this is what you do. This is like your problem with a holler. I'm oh, so it's a valley? So it's a valley. Why don't we just call it a valley? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's uh, the same definition. When you define a holler to me, you are defining a valley. Sand. It's just dirt <laughs> dust. Why don't they just call it dirt dust? <laughs> oh, God. You're so mean. You're so mean. <laughs> so he's like, well, you know, they kept her locked up. And we're like, okay, so... He had a squib sister. <laughs> Not a squid sister. Yeah. <laughs> and they kept her locked up in a tank. <laughs> no. No, but it, we start learning some interesting things. I don't know if we're learning them or Hearing. this is what she's saying. Right. We're, Basically, we, yeah. here's Aunt Muriel's breakdown. Yeah. Dumbledore was muggle-born. Uh, no. Yes. D- no. Wait. What? <laughs> Dumbledore's mother. Kendra. Lamar. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Kendra Dumbledore was Muggleborn, according to Muriel. Right. She was Muggleborn. And this is all per Muriel. Yeah. There was a daughter. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Ariana. Ariana Grande. <laughs> right? She's like, I'm a squeeb. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> the Ariana Grande thing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they have a squib sister, and the mom's is terrifying. Apparent, according to Aunt Muriel, right? That she's kind of a tyrant and she's terrifying, and they're so ashamed to have this kid who can't do magic that they keep her locked away, much like Harry was locked away because yeah. Harry starts thinking about his. Days in the big house, you know, in the joint, as in the joint under you the know. stairs. It's not so bad. Three meals a day. You know, you get used to it. <laughs> the reason that she says that she thinks Dumbledore may have killed his squib sister mm-hmm. is because Kendra died before the daughter did. Right. right. So clearly Kendra didn't kill Ariana. Mm-hmm. Kendra Lamar did not kill Ariana Grande. <laughs> right. Right. Because she was already dead. Right. But there's kind of two theories. One is, or like a postulation, I guess, which is Ariana tried to finally escape. And in trying to escape, she fought her mom and killed her mom. Right. And the other theory is that like the mom died. Dumbledore was left with this squib sister locked up in a basement and he did something to kill her. Right. And they're like, did you ever see that little girl before they brought her out in a coffin? It's like, you never saw this child. And all of a sudden they're bringing a, a dead child out of the house. You know? Right. Right. But it's also like, we see so much of this today, right? This confirmation bias where it's like, I'm going to make the facts fit my theory. It's like, yeah. nobody ever saw her. Therefore my theory fits. Well, right. That's one of maybe a million different yeah. possibly possible reasons why no one ever saw Ariana. This is how conspiracies get started, honestly. When I was in ninth grade, I had two friends both named Chris. Okay. They were best friends with each other and they were both named Chris. Chris and Chris, what we called them. 
respectively. Naturally. <laughs> respectively. Oh, I, hate, I hate that. So they had this whole this whole narrative that they told me one day, dude, we got to tell you about this crazy thing that happened to us. We went into the other side of the mirror. So we stared at a mirror mm. and we meditated and we crossed into the other side of the mirror. And that's where we are now. We're not in regular reality. We're on the other side of the mirror reality. Now you are in the mirror reality right now, but you wouldn't know the difference. Like, how would you know? It Reality is just reality to you. So your consciousness is going to be the same no matter which side of the mirror that you're on. Oh, God, I hate shit like this. But we can tell that we're on the other side of the mirror because of weird little things that keep happening, right? And so they start pointing stuff out. Well, the whole thing was these guys were really nerdy and sort of – they're like really eccentric but nerdy at the same time. Okay. So the thing was instead of them saying, hey, let's play a fun game, let's pretend this is a scenario, we all just talked about it like it was happening. So anything that we would see that was weird, we would be like, dude, right, dude, see, like more evidence. And weird stuff would happen. Like one day we were at lunch and this kid walks by, right? And like two seconds later, another kid walks by in the same exact outfit as the first kid. And we're like, dude, look, look. It's like the Matrix. They've changed something. But you never, like, you, you know? never would have noticed that before. Right. Without exactly. this context. But the fun of it was us going. Yeah. Look, this matches what we think. This matches what we think. Oh, my God, there's proof. There's proof. The good news about that is that if you think of the world in the way that you want, in a kind, loving way, it will also match your... Definitely. Oh, I like that. I think that's a really nice way to put it. But I'm I'm rambling as usual. No, it's okay. I mean, I think this is interesting. And this is a really big area of the study of psychology, too. And also, like, the whole, like, glitch in the matrix thing is a big conversation right now. Parallel universes and alternate timelines. And all this shit, yeah. Yes. And it's just, it's something that's discussed a ton. And psychology, the field of psychology has an explanation for like virtually every single element of it. There are stories that I have read though. I don't know if they're true, but there are stories that I have read that I'm like, there is no fucking explanation for that. That makes no goddamn sense. I'll tell you a fun rabbit hole to go down. Okay. Is um, photos of time travelers. Oh, yeah. I love that type of stuff. Oh, God. So another little piece of evidence that backs up Muriel's (laughs) belief that maybe Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore, had something to do with his sister's death is that him and Aberforth got in a fight at the funeral, at Ariana Grande's funeral. (laughs) And that Aberforth broke Albus's nose. Yeah. And Elpheus's reaction does not help because he's like, he's basically like, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> I know. Isn't he kind of that way? Yeah. He doesn't say, oh, that's not how it happened, which is essentially what he's been doing this entire time is he's like, no, she was ill. Like, that's not Kendra was a good woman. Like, I don't know what you're talking about this. He's like, hold up. How do you know? <laughs> Skirt. We'll get the truth about this. I'm I'm sure that we will. Sure. Sure. Muriel says, well, I heard all this from Bethilda Bagshot. Right. Bethilda Bagshot wrote The History of Magic. She's mm-hmm. kind of a big deal in she like the, deal. the academic world. She's like, yes. I heard from her. And old as shit. And Doge is kind of like, yeah, but she's like not well. She's older and like you can't really trust anything that she says. Yeah. And we learned that she, well, she's like, well, she would know. Right. She lives in Godric's Hollow where the Dumbledores lived. 
Record scratch. And this is crazy because, you know, the the only real leads that Harry has right now is for some reason, I feel like I need to go to Godric's Hollow. Yeah. And for some reason, this Grigorovich right. thing is in my head from my little weird dream that I have. Yeah. Yeah. So he got the Grigorovich wand thing kind of came up. Sure. And now here's Godric's Hollow again, which gets Harry thinking like, dude, Dumbledore's parents lived where my parents lived. Yeah. Is his... Are his mom and sister buried near my mom and dad? Have I walked past Dumbledore's mom's grave? It's like a lot for him to kind of take well, in. Well, Harry's never been to Godric's Hollow. He's thinking, did Dumbledore walk past my parents' grave? Right, that's what I mean. Why the yeah. fuck did he never? How did this not come up? Yeah. In all of our time together, in all of our talks together, I feel like this is the first time, maybe not the first time, but a really big example of Harry feeling super betrayed. For a second. This is not the first time that he has thought about Dumbledore this way. Yeah. Why didn't he tell me more? Why didn't he share more with me? Why didn't I get to know more of like who he's about? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think I get it. This is sort of like the feeling of when you feel like you're really close to someone and then you find out that they're, they've had something huge happen and they never told you about it. You're like, yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were close. Yeah, you're not on that level. And that's tough. I, I yeah. feel like it's always really tough when you feel like you are closer to someone than they feel they are to you. Oh, that's such a hard feeling. You know, so in this conversation, what you read, how the chapter ends, yeah. is Kingsley Shacklebolt's Patronus, come, who's a lynx, which that's pretty badass. Oh, a lynx. Of course it's a lynx, And it yes. comes dropping through the tent and is like, yo, the ministry's fallen, Scrimger's dead, it's on. Right. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Well, it's funny because last week, you know, Scrimger's there reading out the will. And it was funny because your prophecy was all about like, I don't think this is going to end well for Scrimger. And in my head, I'm like, he's going to be dead in about 16 pages. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew this was coming. Oh, we need to memorialize Scrimger. Oh, God, I guess we do, don't we? All right. Well, let me let's let's give the music. All right. What do you have to say about Scrimger? You were minister for magic. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Definitely more competent than Fudge. Still a goddamn politician. For sure. <laughs> you know. I don't think he deserved to go out like this. But right. I think it was inevitable. It probably was. Like the only way he could have avoided this was to like move to Australia with Hermione's parents. I mean, right. And have his memory erased. They still would have found him. Yeah. It's, you know, does this make you, I mean, or maybe you just feel like you don't have enough information, but does this make you kind of second guess the prophecy you made last week about Scrimger being in Voldemort's pocket? I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like I kind of want to think, oh yeah, he was. Maybe not in his pocket. He could also have been in his pocket and got freaking whacked. I mean, that definitely could still happen. Here we go. Whacking the balls. (laughs) So, yeah, an intense end to that chapter for sure. And, you know, you wanted war. You wanted it's time for these two sides to actually start fighting each other. Yeah. The uh, one little tidbit we forgot to leave out was that um, Hermione tells Harry what happened with Victor? I saw him storming off. It seemed like he had been arguing with Xenophilius. Oh, right. So Crumb, did forget that. I guess at some point, called him out and was like, yo, nice symbol. Punk ass. Yeah. My bike, punk. Sounds like maybe Crumb did end up having a couple glasses of champagne and actually acted on his 
his uh, ire, if you will. Mm. Not great. Not great. Come on, baby, light my ire. <laughs> God. And and this is when I want to go back to the song. That I think it's the ACDC song. You want blood? You got it. <laughs> you love that song. I mean, we should go get ACDC tattoos. <laughs> I, I like that one song by ACDC. So I'm, you know, I'm all set with getting an ACDC tattoo. So no, thank you. So with that ominous ending, I'm wondering if there's an ominous prophecy to go along with it. So my prophecy is that Mr. Lovegood, Uh Xenophilius Lovegood, Uh it's not a happy accident that he has this symbol. Interesting. There's something something going on with this guy, and I don't believe that he's Mr. Wacky Silly Man. (laughs) I think he might be into some dark shit. Mr. Wacky Silly Man. So you don't think he just found it at a yard sale? No. That's why we started talking about yard sales. (laughs) Xenophilia. Tag sale. Tag sale. Garage sale. All right. Well, we shall see, won't we? What is your wedded bliss? Hedwig's digital get down hoot. Cookies. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Our Hedwig's digital get down comes from Cody. And we have some more exciting news about Cody. When we get to Marauder shoutouts, if you know what I mean. But Cody sent us a question that I thought was so appropriate for this wedding chapter. And it's one of those great questions that's not so much about Harry Potter specifically, as it is just about relationships and, you know, the other focus of this show. So here's what she said. Since you guys were together so long before getting married, what are your thoughts on those people out there who say things like, you've been together for three years and you still don't have a ring? You need a new man. I personally think it's a rude and outdated statement to make, but there are still plenty of people out there who have this thought process. I feel like if you and your partner are happy and things are working the way you both want, then why put so much societal pressure on yourselves? I'd love to get your thoughts and perspectives on this. This is cool because she's asking a non-Harry Potter question. Right. We always say, ask us anything. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that everyone moves at their own pace. Marriage is not for everyone. Right. Um, commitment's not for everyone. Sure. Monogamy is not for everyone. Marriage isn't for every monogamous relationship either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Of course. And I think everybody's different. And yeah, people need to mind their own freaking business. (laughs) I think that also, um... Yeah, we got that same shit. We you got know? so oh, it's much about of time. That. It's about time. It's about all of it was. It's about time. Yeah, which like implies, like, why didn't you ask her to marry you sooner? And also, the implication is, oh, poor woman, just waiting on right. the man to ask her to marry him. Right. You know, like that's bullshit. There's some real sexist shit yeah, involved. Of course, in it's that. all tied up in the freaking patriarchy. You know. Of course, it is. Yeah, but. For us personally, it was it was the right time. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. I, there's no way that I could explain it in a million years. It's not like I was – I'll tell you this. Neither one of us are the type of people who would ever take the commitment of marriage lightly. Right. You and I have both always thought about – when since we were young, we've thought about marriage as – 
this is something that I want to do one day and I want it to work and I want it to be forever and I want it to be until death and I want to know that it's the right thing. Bonded for life. That's the way we've always thought about it. With no implication that that's the right way to think about it. Or that uh, we need to have to be right. legally married by the state to do that. Right. You know, but it's something that we both wanted and it just felt right. And I would also say that for us, the other thing that was that worked for us and was right for us was to be together for a while before yeah. we made that commitment with each other. You know, we're really different people. And I think that our personalities match up exactly right. But there was like potential that they wouldn't. By all accounts, this should not work. <laughs> like really on paper, this this whole situation should not work. Somehow in real life, it, it just, just works. just works. I like it. I think it's a fucking blast. It's a hoot. I'll yeah. tell you, it's definitely a hoot. But yeah, I, I completely love what you led off with, which is just that everybody is different. Every couple is different or every pair, not even just pairing partnership, whatever, partnership, whatever we want to call it. Right. There are throuples. There are people who are in group relationships, polyamorous relationships. Yes. All of that is valid, but I think you've got to check in with yourself and know what works for you. And I think there are definitely people out there who want to be married and their partner does not want to be married. And that's a conversation that should be had. Yeah. You know, that's a conversation that we had. Where are you with marriage? Right. And we realized, whew, thank goodness, we were both on the same page. Yeah. I know some couples who have no desire to ever be married and they're fully committed to each other for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. They will never need to get married. And, you know, it means different things in different countries here. It's like there's different tax shit and all types of you know yeah. logistical stuff that you can work out. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's. Yeah, I it's logistically, it's it's almost like a business arrangement. And we have to stop shaming people. <gasps> all of the shame that has to do with marriage, I think it does come from like shame. When are you going to make an honest woman out of her? Yeah. In other words, like she's a lying whore until you like put a ring on it. You know, like exactly. it, it all is rooted in all that How about stupid why, stuff, you know? Why buy the cow when milk is free? How about that old outdated ass saying? Right. Yeah. Oh, so I'm a cow for yeah. sale? Fuck you. Yeah. No. And also the milk is free. What? What? I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? (laughs) So the long and short of it is, how do we feel about people like that? They're judgy fucks. And there's a lot of that around. I feel like there's so much shaming and judgment because what you're doing is not what I would do. Yeah. You know, and that's really unfair. Practicing building other people up is important. Yes. It's not easy, but it's important. Choose kindness. It's time for marriage lessons. Hooray! Marriage lessons on a chapter called The Wedding on a podcast that has to do with marriage. After After we just answered a question about marriage and relationships. God, this is really on the nose. Amazing. I'm going first. My marriage lesson was inspired by Xenophilius and Luna's behavior at the wedding because they're super weird. But 
it kind of, I think, goes nicely with the answer we just gave for the Hedwig's Digital Get Down. My lesson is stay weird and don't be concerned with appearances. You know, I'm not saying go out of your way to be fucking weirdos everywhere you go, because that can become really trite and fucking cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying... If you want to dance silly with each other, just do it. You know, who cares? If you are with each other, you have one person in the room who doesn't think you're a total freak. And it's okay if everyone else does. Right, exactly. (laughs) So that's my marriage lesson. This is how my mom raised us. Yes. The three of us, God, we'd like go into Kmart. We thought we were going to get kicked out. (laughs) So mine is pretty simple. Ooh. This comes from when Jenny kind of looks at Harry and winks. It's such a cute it moment. It comes from when Hermione walks up and Ron goes, wow, you look beautiful. And she was like, always a little measure of surprise in your voice when you say that. And that is never stop flirting. <gasps> flirting. Oh, that's a lot like my um, mine last week, which was like always charm each other. Yeah. I love this. Never stop flirting. Never stop flirting. Flirting's so fun. Yeah. Oh, that's, there is a lot of flirtatious, cute stuff. And I mean, I know when we go to weddings, that does make me feel very flirtatious with you. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so cute. Yay. Ready to roll the credits? Roll them credits. Roll them up. Roll <laughs> them up and smoke them. <laughs> oh, one thing we totally forgot. Hands down, the band is absolutely doing drugs right before the wedding, <laughs> right? Like, that's there's, the implication. There's blue smoke. We've seen blue smoke before. Have we? The weed in Harry Potter, <laughs> the smoke is blue. <laughs> They're smoking indigo. Cannot believe that we forgot to mention that. Okay, now we're going to roll the credits. The band's always getting high. It doesn't matter if it's (laughs) the Wizarding World or wherever. My friends, I would like to take a minute before winners and losers and marauder shoutouts to let you know how you can engage with us outside of the podcast universe. Check out our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com for show notes, past marriage lessons and prophecies, and direct links to our socials, including the link to join us in Discord. You can also leave us a voicemail directly through the website or send us a written question there as well. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok using at the Fox and the Foxhound and on Twitter using at Fox and Foxhound. If you love this show and want to be a part of its production, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. There are five membership tiers to choose from, and the funds go directly to us, allowing us to bring you this show ad-free. Our patrons truly make this show happen. You can also show us some love by telling your Potterhead friends about us, engaging with us on social media, and rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Finally, we want to send a huge thank you to two special people. First is Judson Hurd, who composed the original music for our show and whose music you can find on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you go to find new artists. His last name is spelled H-U-R-D. And second, our fantastic, brilliant, and all-around wonderful manager of mischief, Josh Bailey. Be sure to check out Casting Roles, that's R-O-L-E-S, where you'll find Josh as DM of an ongoing D&D campaign. You can find them at youtube.com slash casting roles. Again, that's R-O-L-E-S. And on Twitter using at casting roles. Let's get back to the episode. (laughs) 
Wow, what wonderful credits. It's time for winners and losers. Who is your winner? Elpheus Doge. Ah, why did you give it to Doji Dog? Because I like that he defended Dumbledore, and I like that he sort of stood up to Aunt Muriel. Yes, he really did, didn't he? What a stand-up guy. My winner... I gave it to Luna, kind of for the same reason that it inspired my marriage lesson. It's just she's always so thoroughly herself. Yeah. And it's also just nice to see her. We haven't seen her in so long. I know. I have missed her. Yeah. Who was your loser? Had to give it to Aunt Muriel. Oh, that's yeah, a tough look for Aunt Muriel. Why we don't did you say to aunt a lot in the South. We pretty much say aunt. Or auntie. Or yeah. auntie. Mm-hmm. You're Auntie Amanda. Auntie, yes. Mm-hmm. So why'd you give it to Muriel? Because she's a nightmare. <laughs> she's so fucking funny. Yeah, even though she's really funny. <laughs> My loser. I also gave it to Auntie Muriel. Nice. I knew it. And I said, it's one thing to be old and crotchety, but it's another to delight in making people uncomfortable. Like, I think she's funny until this shit with Doge. Yeah. Because she clearly, she knows she's making him really uncomfortable and she fucking loves it. Yeah. That's when it really gets into just being mean. She, You can tell she doesn't even really care if any of it's true or exactly. not. Exactly. She just likes getting a rise out of this guy. And I hate that. And this is so common in our culture right now. Oh my God. You know, it's like, there's no, you know, there's no debate to be had. You just want to get a rise out of somebody. Absolutely. Yep. time for Patronus Moments. And I want you to go first this week. Patronus Moments brought to you by Dynamic Microphones. <laughs> so my Patronus Moment is I went and saw a band that I have been a fan of for 30 years. Yes, you did. Almost over 30 years, but Pretty much, I want to say to the year, 30 years, oh. my brother and I have loved the three-piece band, Dinosaur Jr. Yep. It's an American band. Have listened to them for 30 years. <laughs> Literally It's not like three, three years goes by, and then I go, oh, damn, I need to listen to Dinosaur Jr. They just are one of those top 10, top 20 bands that they're always in my list. They yeah. always are played. Every album and... New album is amazing. Mm. Like when it came out, I counted down the days and then listened to it and was like, fuck, these guys are still amazing. But me and my buddy William went up and saw Dinosaur Jr. That's live. so nice. They are one of the loudest bands that has ever existed. God damn it. And which was also like an, an insane experience. But just I was standing there and I was watching this band. We were way, way back in the back, but I was watching this band and just thinking about how lucky I was to be there and how cool life is yeah. and how really one of the joys of life is like you find things that you really love and connect with yeah, and you get to connect with them and love them your whole life. Yeah. You know, and the fact that this band got back together and has been back together making albums and now they're touring again. And I'm like, who would have ever thought that I would ever see this band live? Yeah. And uh -huh. I saw, and I stood there and I was like completely in the moment. 
I was not thinking about my life. I wasn't thinking about when the show is over. I wasn't thinking about yesterday or tomorrow. I was just like, I'm as blown away as I ever imagined I would be seeing them live. Yeah. Which is one of those things when you really like a musician or a band. Yeah. And then you go see them live and it's like, yeah, I thought they were good. I saw them. They were really good. Yeah. Or I thought they were good. I saw them. They really suck. Oh, it's so disappointing. But there are those but... moments with certain bands that you expect them to be good. Yeah. And then when you hear them live, you're like, fuck, this is who this band, like, now I get it. Yeah. Like, this is mastery. Yeah. It was just such an artistic experience. Like, it stuck with me so hard. I thought about that show for days and days and days. I'll never forget it. Oh, it was a wonderful time. And I was there with my buddy, William, who's a very dear friend of mine. And he's always a pleasure to go anywhere with. And you said that the, you felt very safe in that venue with the precautions. Yeah. This is the first indoor concert I've been to since 2019. Yeah. And since like summer, probably of 2019, they were very strict on vaccination cards. They Mm -hmm. were double checking it with your ID. Some people they were giving like blind questioning to about, the vaccination and like they take your ID, they take your vaccination card. Like I had a picture of mine and he wanted to hold my phone. Yeah. So that he could look at it. And then he was like, what county do you live in? What right. county did you get your shot in? Right. And I heard one of the guys talking to one of the bouncers and he's like, dude, I can't tell you how many people have other pictures of other people's vaccination I'm cards. Sure he's like, do. I'm turning them away. I'm telling them, fuck you. You can't come in, dude. Good. Like this, you knew that this was the rule. So that was really strict. Um, it was absolutely 100% mask wearing inside yeah. the event, which literally 100% of the people that I saw had masks on inside and out. It's fantastic. And uh, so that was really good. It's a step in the right direction. Is it still a risk? Sure. Yeah. Because you're, I think more of a risk if you were really in the crowd, not yeah. like back at the bar where we were. Yeah. Um, but definitely it's, you know, there's a certain risk involved. But, you know, I think what we've proven in the past year is we can do this safely. There are ways that we can do things safely. We can go to the movies safely. We can go to concerts safely. There's things that we can do. Absolutely. But anyway, that's besides the point. It was just fun. And it was a cold night. And it was at Cat's Cradle, which is a venue, a very famous venue that has just been, you can't overplay what an important venue that is for alternative music in America. And what an important venue that is for North Carolinians. Like I've gone to see shows at Cat's Cradle, you know, for as long as I've been old enough to go to Chapel Hill. Since I was a teenager. Exactly. I saw Frightened Rabbit at Cat's Cradle. One of my favorite bands ever and who the lead singer is dead now. And so I had that experience. And it's, there are no bullshit place. Yeah. It's like, the venue only sells beer, <laughs> yeah. but they have another bar right next to them. It's basically a two-room bar, and they sell liquor. Yeah. You yeah. want to walk over and get a liquor drink? Walk over and get a liquor drink. Right here, we only sell beer. Yeah. Also, it's cash only. Right. We have an ATM if you need cash. We don't run tabs. Everything's cash. Simple. It's, it's like, to the point. It's just simple. The sound is great. Yeah. It's amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, was I was cool. so glad you got to do that. Yeah, me too. So my Patronus moment is definitely a lot less monumental than this, Um, but we're recording this a little earlier than we normally do. We're recording it on a Friday, and I have had just a super kind of anxious couple of days because one of our two cats still needed to go 
to the vet. I say still needed because he had an original appointment when we have both of our cats had an appointment a month ago and we could not get him in the carrier. He hid. He was impossible to get. It was really anxiety provoking because, you know, I don't want to traumatize them, that kind of thing. Like I realize I'm probably being ridiculous about it, but it still really stresses me out. So I, this appointment, this rescheduled appointment for him has been hanging over my head for a month. You being the wonderful partner to me that you are had said, I want you away out of the house. house, I will take care of this. So it just so happened that for my job, at least once a month, I have a three hour clinical supervision group with all of my supervisees on Zoom lately. We used to do it in person every month, um, a couple hours away in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but now we do it on Zoom. So I just went into an empty office and just did it from there. And I had a lot of anxiety about my group too, because having a lot of ADHD and not being able to be medicated has been really frustrating for me. And also just having symptoms be really bad just because of pregnancy hormones anyway. And groups that I used to really enjoy are very anxiety producing for me. So my Patronus moment, I'm getting to it, was I had started the group and the first break that I took. So about one of the three hours was done with group. Group was going really well. My supervisees are lovely and totally participated and were great. And I said, let's take a break. And I ran to the restroom and I checked my phone and you texted me and said, Cozy's in the carrier. I will get him to the vet. And I was like, <sighs> like I felt so much relief. I felt so much relief, even though I still felt bad for the kitty because you said he was really sad with his little sad meow. He was a perfect gentleman. Oh my! He was God. like, "Good morning, good morning, <laughs> hello, ma'am. Nice dress. Oh, I love that outfit. <laughs> Aren't I handsome?" But it, just knowing that that was done, and that you had gotten him in the carrier, and that this appointment was going to happen. It was just one of those great moments where the anxiety that you've been carrying for days that was worse than you even knew it was just. Yeah. The feeling of relief is pops like a balloon. Yeah. So that's my Patronus moment. As simple as that is, is getting that text. And that's also like, thank you for keeping me posted on that. Let's shout out our Marauders. Let's do. And we have a brand new baby Marauder. Isn't that exciting? A tiny little baby marauder. And it's... Well... Hatch this egg. It's Cody Jurish. Cody! Cody! Cody, 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 Cody! Who we... She's been a patron at a lower level for a while and has been very active in Discord. This is someone that we feel like we've really gotten to know and have really become friends with. She's brutally funny, like seriously hilarious. And she's now a marauder. And isn't that effing exciting? Thank you so much, Cody. Thank you, Cody. So here's your prompt for these marauder shout outs. And we're going to kick things off with Cody. You know how at a wedding, you've got your folks who are dancing and you've got your folks who are mingling. Mm-hmm. You might have your folks who are othering. Right. What Smoking are weed. <laughs> like with the band, apparently. <laughs> What are our marauders doing at this grand event? Some of our marauders may have actually been at our wedding. <laughs> we can tell yeah. you. So what about Cody Jurish? What's she doing at this wedding? Cody's going to be helping. Oh, totally. 
Yes. Even though they're going to be like, no, Cody, please, you're a guest. Please. Don't. She's <laughs> no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you bust this table. I'm going to help the cater. Yeah. Cody would be helping in some way. She's that is so accurate. How about wild blue raven? Into the wild blue <laughs> raven. Wild blue raven is going to be kicking up them hills and cutting a rug on the dance floor. Yes. So like flapping her wings, I her big it. blue, beautiful wings. Oh, beautiful. Flavia Diaz. I think Flavia is going to be helping the bride like stay calm. Oh, totally. Because, you know, we heard her voice last week in our Hedwig's Digital Get Down. Yeah, wonderful accent. Beautiful, calming voice. Yes, I think that's on brand. How about Samantha Tillman? I think Samantha's going to be involved in some sort of shenanigan. Like maybe like putting shaving cream on the car, just married or tying the tin cans or some kind of shenanigans. She's mischievous. She is. How about Lindsay Prestige? I think she's probably going to be doing a magic show for the kids to entertain the kids that are there. Oh my God, yes. Because, you know, she was in the Prestige. Because she was in the Prestige, exactly. How about Melissa Hunter? I think Melissa's going to be mingling, working the crowd, talking. Oh, hi, I'm Melissa. Nice to meet you. Oh, Yeah, I I feel like we've been fortunate enough to hang out with Melissa on Zoom before. She's very charming. Yeah. You know, I yeah, absolutely. How about Nick Tillman? Nikki Tootils. Nikki Tootils. Nikki's going to say, you come to my, you come to me at my daughter's wedding. Yeah. Disrespect me. <laughs> He's going to be sitting in the house and people are going to be asking him, Godfather, you know, I was wondering, you know, <laughs> yes. I get this guy and he's like been messing with me. Totally. That's yeah. ab- And he makes them kiss the ring. Headcanon accepted. No. <clears throat> How about Natalia Ward? The warden. The warden is going to be singing and swinging and getting merry like Christmas. Oh my God. She's going to be on the dance floor. I'm not wasting this blowout for nobody. Yes. Oh, she yeah. would be so much fun as a wedding guest. How about Kelly Moore? I think Kelly would just be doing what Kelly does, which is charm the shit out of every single person that she encounters. She's so outgoing. She knows a little bit about pretty much everything in the world. Yes. So I think she would just be, you know, as usual, having really great conversations with people. Phenomenal. How about Chris White? Our dear Chris. Or as they would say in Georgia, Chris White. Chris White. (laughs) Hi, Chris White. Hey. Oh, my God. You speak like a British. (laughs) You talk just like a British. (laughs) Do y'all really drink tea and crumpets? Crumpets. Crumpets. I think Chris would be given a toast. (gasps) Yeah. Eloquent man that he is. He's very eloquent. And yeah, he would give a phenomenal toast. Amber Biggs. Amber Biggs is going to be wrangling children. Yes. And she'll be great at it. So like her own children or other people's children or everybody's everybody's children. children. Remember at our wedding, there was just this group of kids that just moving around like a tornado everywhere. They were like a pack of wild dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They were great. They were controlling most major cities. (laughs) How about Maeve Richards? I think Maeve would be trying to make people feel comfortable. Like. She would see somebody that's standing there by themselves and be like, oh, hey, are you Kevin's uncle? You know, she's like one of those people. Oh, that's fantastic. Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy, dressed to the nines. I think he's going to be dancing, but very smoothly. And people are going to be like, damn, that man can dance. Where did he get that suit? He's got the moves. Faith Kenfield. 
I think Faith is going to be the one that says like the sweetest thing to the bride and groom. Oh, I just know you guys are going to make it forever. I'm so happy for you. Oh, my God. I would cry. Brienne Brown, double B. Try to make this one about Cleveland. I effing dare you. <laughs> She's going to be that guest at the wedding that only talks about the same thing <laughs> over and over. Now, now, when I played football, it's like, okay, dude, do you have any, is there anything else you can talk about? She's going to be like, now, weddings in Cleveland. Cleveland has some of the best wedding venues. <laughs> Now, I had a friend get married at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can't get married inside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they have a cute little reception area outside. Oh, my God. Daniel Marks. D Marks. D Marks is going to be sitting on the damn tailgate of a truck out in the parking lot drinking whiskey out of a boot. (laughs) Damn, that's really specific. Okay. How about Jennifer Ayers? I think Jennifer Ayers will just be like trying to make people laugh. Yeah. Definitely. Which always sets people at ease. Yeah. I feel like. Kind of like um, my best friend, Josh's wife, Olivia. Yeah. yeah. She really likes to make people laugh. It's Humor is just such a, a equalizer. Or Katie Bowman. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that kind of attitude, like just looking for the next funniest thing. Definitely. How about Mallory Gallagher? Mallory Gallagher. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. I think Mallory is going to be um, the person that obsesses over the gifts. Mm. You know how like you get married and some people bring gifts and they bring envelopes of money and stuff. And there's always someone that's like, we need to put this in the car. Yes. We need to, we need to put this in the car. We need, we, it's going to get rained on. We need to put this in the car. That's who she's going to be. And thank God for those people. Yeah. Yes. How about Sarah Epting? Sarah will be dancing. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, such a good dancer. With her. Adorable child. Oh, my God. She's so cute. How about Josh Bailey, who was at our wedding? Well, Josh is equally good at dancing and mingling. Yeah. So I think he would be doing both. You know. Or having like a really intense political conversation with someone over in the corner. Definitely. Josh made me an old fashioned. um, And I don't mean like an old fashioned basket. He made me a basket of things to make an old fashioned. (laughs) For what yeah. I was getting ready, like things like that. And then he also gave a beautiful, I don't know if the right word is toast. Speech. Yeah, it was a toast. During the wedding ceremony, we asked him to, to speak. Oh, that's, yeah, it wasn't a, I wouldn't call it a toast. Right. He, um, yeah, he was a speaker. He was the speaker, you yeah. know, during our wedding. It was That's beautiful. really what got me. Oh, There was a, a tiny pebble in the bottom of my dress shoe. And every time I felt like I was going to start crying, I would press my foot really hard into it, hoping that like the pain in my foot would like prevent me from crying. <laughs> shit is dark. But Josh is the first one that got to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he has a tendency to so do that. Beautiful. Damn you, it Josh. Was so beautiful. How about Kara Heller? Kara Heller, why'd you have to shoot Old Yeller? No. I don't think Old Yeller got shot, did he? Did he just die? I'm pretty sure like. Doesn't little boy have to shoot him? Oh, because he's like sickly or something? It's awful. It's I don't think that's terrible. what Kara Heller would be doing. It's not, <laughs> definitely not shooting dogs at the wedding. <laughs> no. I think Kara would just be making new friends. Yeah. And they would be like, oh my God, girl, friends. we should get together. Totally. Vicky Guthrless, I have to tell you, like I said, we're recording this on the Friday before it goes live. Vicky and Rick get married tomorrow. So what would Vicky be doing? Yeah. Walking down the aisle. Exactly. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for them. I can't wait to see pictures. 
this is a day that was supposed to happen last year. And, you know, the pandemic yeah. really got in the way of their plans. And I'm just so happy for them that it's finally happening. Yeah, it's oh. beautiful. They're oh. going to live happily ever after, I'm sure of it. Yes. How about Dean Heath? I don't know this for a fact, but my suspicion is that Dean Heath can cut a rug. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I would, just because he's a very sophisticated guy, I think that he it probably is a phenomenal dancer. If he's not a phenomenal dancer, I know he's willing to dance. Definitely. Dean is the perfect example of someone who knows how to be a gentleman, but is also not afraid to look silly. Yeah. And that's a good quality for a dad to have. That's the greatest. But he would also be checking the Panthers game score on his phone. A thousand <laughs> on the percent. Down low. A thousand percent. How about Heather Bevels? Heather Bevels, who was at our wedding and we at hers. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, Heather will dance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heather will dance to beat the band. Yes, Heather will definitely dance. She is a wonderful dancer. It, I have I have pictures from our wedding yeah, we of her phenomenal of her dancing. dancing. Yes, not only was she at our wedding, she was part of our bridal party, yeah. lest you forget. How about Ben Clark? Ben Clark would be outside with me, like, yeah. Just having some conversation. Yeah. Drinking an old fashioned. Yes. God, I want an old fashioned right now. How about Pete Collins? Oh, I can see Pete giving a hell of a toast himself. He would bring the house down. I think Pete would be the best man. <gasps> yeah. Pete is like best man material. Oh, oh, totally. And being the best man at a wedding is awesome. Yes. It is like probably one of the funnest things I've ever done. Hell because yes. you're kind of like a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And because this is the funnest thing about being a best man at a wedding is that there's an expectation from you that you are going to sort of like, you know, be a good judge of the crowd and that you're sort of a man of the people. So yeah. it gives you a justifiable excuse to approach pretty much anyone yes. and introduce yourself and and that sort of thing. You're kind of acting on the groom's behalf. I love that. You're like yeah. groom ambassador. How about Michael Terry? Michael Terry's running security. Yes. He'd be great at it. Yeah. Like our nieces and nephews ran security at our wedding. The best idea. That, that was that came from your brain, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it Lily? Was it our niece Lily who? I want to say it was one of the kids. Might have been Lily's idea. Yeah. Our nieces and nephews at our wedding wore shirts that said security. Black shirts that said security. Yeah. And they had little earpieces and they Fake had sunglasses. Earpieces. Yeah. And they loved it. They took their role very seriously. I'll yeah, put a picture really of it did. in the show notes. Oh, my God. How about Lexi Phage? Lexi Phage is going to be driving the limo. Ah, is it Alexis? It is. Yes. How about Hannah Gibb, the bovinator? The bovinator, the bovinator. She grew up on swamp water and gators. <laughs> Her and Wild Blue Raven just had birthdays, the two of them. The bovinator would be the wedding planner. Totally, totally. Because she's very organized and she's very proactive. Get on that. You have a career waiting for you. How about Amy Sophia Mayer? I think Amy would be working on the vibe of the wedding. Yeah. So she would show up before the wedding and like burn some sage. Yes. Then she would give like a reading, like a rune reading to the bride and groom. Gorgeous. You know, she would kind of bless the grounds and stuff. Gorgeous. I need to talk to Amy about my shrine. Yes. Are we going to be on their show soon? Yes. So we are recording our next episode of Rambling Raven Puffs on Monday. So I think they're usually recording about a month in advance-ish, about four weeks in advance. So the episode that we're recording this coming Monday should be 
coming up sometime in December, I think we'll be cool. airing. Yeah. Amy and Jess are buds. I know. How about Senia Jorgensen? Senia is going to be singing at the wedding. <gasps> Senia, we didn't even know that you sang. Thanks for telling us. <laughs> She's going to sing like a songbird. How about Larissa Oatman? She's going to be wrangling those twins. Yeah. I could see her doing twin dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Those sweet, sweet babies. And how about Kit and Demi? Kit and Demi will start the mosh pit at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. They'll be out there windmilling and fucking picking up change and shit. <laughs> be great. Do you know what picking up change is? No. I'll, I'll tell you after we start recording. I'll show you what picking up change is. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I want I you to. I know that Demi's laughing right now. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to show me, but okay, you look a little mischievous. And for our extra shout out today, we have a brand new patron. Always exciting. Now, we don't know much about her yet because she's brand new to us. We just met her. Nice. So you're going to have to just go with your like your instinct about mm, this one. Yes. Andrea Kretz. Cool name. We've got the best names among our patrons, really. Andrea is sitting at the baby grand piano. She's Ooh. playing the piano for the wedding. If we find out that you actually play the piano, Andrea, we're there. That's going to be like out. glitch in the matrix yeah. for real. Okay, love it. As always, thank you to all of our marauders and all of our patrons. Welcome, Andrea, to the Patreon family. And thank you, Cody. And thank you, Cody, for becoming a marauder. And congratulations to Vicky and Rick, who will be oh married God. by the time anyone hears this. So much exciting stuff happening yeah. among these wonderful, wonderful people. And thank you to all of you listening. Yes. So that that was a wedding and a death. <laughs> Scrimger died. Pretty big deal. I cannot wait to take some of our UK listeners to a good old Saturday Southern yard sale morning. Yes. yes. And you'll say, how much do you want for you? That's how you ask the price of some. Yep. How much you want for your wheelbarrow? Your wheelbarrow. Absolutely. Would you take eight for it? $10. Would you take eight for it? Mm, I mean, I could do nine. <laughs> All right. I'll give you nine for it. Yes. I'll tell is... you what. I, I'll give you 10. Throw in that rake. So I got, I got more than that in the rake. This is so That's accurate. another thing that you say. I got more than that in it. Right. It, it... It's so accurate. It's your nightmare. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite <laughs> thing. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, we love you all. We'll be back next week for uh, whatever the fuck happens after the wedding. How exciting. Happily ever after. Voldemort coming for you.